Hello, my name is Lindsay Heron-Lewis, and I'm the associate pastor here at Fairmount Presbyterian Church, and I am so glad that you are joining us today in worship. We hear in scripture that when two or three are gathered, Jesus is there, and so surely God's presence is with us in all of the places that we find ourselves today. I want to highlight just a few things for you this morning. The first is just a reminder that you can also listen to the entirety of our worship services by phone. So if you know somebody who either doesn't have access to a computer or doesn't like watching computer version of church, they can call and listen in. And so the number is there in our bulletin, online, on our website, and all the places we would encourage you or to tell people you know about that service. We also want to encourage you to attend the virtual annual gala for the Doobie River River School. This is a school in Africa that our congregation supports. And on Sunday, October 25th from 5 to 6 p.m., you can log in to hear the latest about the school, what's going on, and the farm that's a part of it as well. There are virtual tickets that you can purchase. um, And there's also, I think, a silent auction you can participate in. So we hope that you'll be able to log in. There's more information in our bulletin and online. We would encourage you to do that. We also learned that Rob and Dale Hilton moved this week. And so as we are sad to see them go, we are also ready to wish them blessings on this new transition and the new life that they will lead. We think they're in South Carolina, but I could have that totally wrong. But we're so glad that they've been a part of this community for so long and want to bless them on their way. We also want to offer prayers for the family of Natalie McWilliams. Natalie passed away on Wednesday evening. And so two of her children, Pete McWilliams and Barb, are members here. And so we extend our sympathy and our love and our gratitude for Natalie and all that her life has been and the ways in which she has touched this community and other communities. We give thanks for her. Friends, we find ourselves in this place. We've gathered ourselves here, whether we're at a kitchen table or around the television in the living room. We maybe have had a peaceful morning or a crazy and busy one, and yet here we find ourselves gathered to be in God's presence, to worship, to breathe, and to know that the Spirit is near. So friends, will you join me in the call to worship? Through prayer and practice, we pursue what is just, what is true, what is kind. With each new day, we hope for love to lead us. With discernment, we wade bravely into the struggles of life together. We yearn for wisdom that satisfies. Persistently, faithfully, relentlessly, we keep our gaze set upon righteousness, determined in hope May the holy be our firm foundation. Let us worship God.
God of mercy, we place our trust in tangible things, things we can see and touch and question whether, whether you really are there. Forgive us, Holy One, when we fail to recognize that you are always nearby, patiently waiting for us to recognize your presence and your glory. Help us when we lose our way and forgive us when we forget to whom we truly belong. Lover of justice, open our eyes to see you. Open our ears to hear you. Open our hearts to love you. And open our hands to serve you. When we cry to God, looking for favor in God's sight, God answers, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. In the power of the Spirit and in the name of Jesus, we are forgiven. We will rest in God's mercy. Please bow with me for a prayer for illumination. 
Gracious God, in these moments we have to worship as we hear your word through scripture and song and in our hearts as we listen to you, may you set aside what we might be worried and anxious about, that we focus on your word to us, your assurance that you are indeed with us. By your Holy Spirit, we make this prayer. Amen. The scripture reading today is from Psalm 77. Hear the word of the Lord. I cry out loud to God, out loud to God, so that God can hear me. During the day when I'm in trouble, I look for my Lord. At night, my hands are still outstretched and don't grow numb. My whole being refuses to be comforted. I remember God and I moan, I complain, and my spirit grows tired. You've kept my eyelids from closing. I'm so upset I can't even speak. I think about days long past. I remember years that seem like an eternity in the past. I meditate with my heart at night. I complain, and my spirit keeps searching. Will my Lord reject me forever? Will God never be pleased again? Has God's faithful love come to a complete end? Is God's promise over for future generations? Has God forgotten how to be gracious? Has God angrily stopped up his compassion? It's my misfortune, I thought that the strong hand of the Most High is different now. But I will remember the Lord's deeds. Yes, I, I will remember your wondrous acts from times long past. I will meditate on all your works. I will ponder your deeds. God, your way is holiness who is as great a God as you, God? You are the God who works wonders. You have demonstrated your strength among all peoples. With your mighty arm, you redeemed your people, redeemed the children of Jacob and Joseph. The waters saw you, God. The waters saw you and reeled. Even the deep depths shook. The clouds poured water. The skies cracked thunder. Your arrows were flying all around. The crash of your thunder was in the whirlwind. Lightning lit up the whole world. The earth shook and quaked. Your way went straight through the sea. Your pathways went right through the mighty waters. But your footprints left no trace. You led your people like sheep under the care of Moses and Aaron. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
I have long loved the idea of pilgrimage as a metaphor for the life of faith. But apparently this past year, something has happened and my interest has grown to almost an obsession. A quick review of my recent reading reveals these titles. The Pilgrim Way. The Reluctant Pilgrim. The Art of Pilgrimage. On the Road with St. Augustine. The Unlikely Pilgrimage of Harold Fry. The Salt Path. Walk in a Relaxed Manner. St. Cuthbert's Way and Backyard Pilgrim, which is the only, only kind I'm going to be anytime soon. Before the shutdown, my husband and I were planning a walking pilgrimage in Europe for our 30th anniversary, and I was so looking forward to those quiet paths that would reveal new insights for whatever life brings to us next. Pilgrimage is a strong and enduring biblical image for God's people who are always, somehow, always in some way on the move. From the first tentative steps in the forest in Genesis to Abraham and Sarah's long journey to the walk through the wilderness with Moses to the exile and the return through the desert following John the Baptist around Galilee with Jesus on the road to the cross, on the road to Damascus with the first followers who were called the way. The Apostle Paul on the road and over the seas to the final images of walking with God where there will be no more tears and no more crying. I think we can all resonate with the idea of being on a journey of faith. It means we're not finished. It means we still have time. It means there's going to be highs and lows and ups and downs, obstacles and detours. We like to think of ourselves on this journey of faith, walking in the light of God. But oh, how we like to moan and groan along the way, don't we? The wandering Israelites famously murmured and complained when they felt God was not adequately providing for them, even fantasizing about a return to slavery in Egypt where at least they could eat melons. And the prophets were constantly calling the people back from their selfish ambitions and vain conceits. Even the most spiritual of leaders who were clearly called to a journey with God were fond of groaning about it. Remember Elijah in the cave? Lord, I'm the only one left and now they're after me too. Remember Jonah after being rescued from the whale? Do I really have to go to Nineveh? Do I have to tell people about your grace, God? Even in the New Testament, the closest friends of Jesus moan and groan, where are we going to find enough to eat for these 5,000 people? Can't we just send them home, Jesus? It reminds me of that lovable character, Eeyore, that friend of Winnie the Pooh who was known to say things like, well, it's not much of a tale, but I'm sort of attached to it. Or, if it's a good morning, which I doubt, or, particularly appropriate during the pandemic, days, weeks, months, who knows? Or when he said, 
The sky has finally fallen. Always knew it would. End of the road. Nothing to do. No hope of things getting better. Sounds like Saturday night at my house. And one of our sons in particular was exceptional at this type of groaning. We called him Eeyore from time to time. We still do. As a child, he would slump his shoulders visibly when he was asked to do a chore. But then he did it. He would remain in the car until the very last moment before joining swim practice. But then he excelled in the pool. He would complain about teachers and his classes all week long and, and then ace the tests. Having myself be more like, a, I don't know, Christopher Robin or an occasionally Tigger-type person, we are very different, my son and I. But loving him has taught me it's okay to embrace the groan along the pilgrim path. And I also began to notice that some of the biggest moaners and groaners in the Bible become God's champions. And that's why I'm so thankful that we have preserved for us in the Psalms a history of faith-inspired groaning at the highest level lamenting, even complaining, like our text for today in Psalm 77. These days when not many of us are able to go on a physical pilgrimage, Psalm 77 is sort of a, it's like a speech pilgrimage. It describes a complete reorientation of life, a, an inner pilgrimage, something that's happening as the person is processing. The Psalm shows the route by which a person can move from preoccupation with self, to reliance on God, from groan to praise. And if you have your Bibles at home or on a device, you should take a look at the first six verses of Psalm 77. Every single sentence begins with I. I cry out. I'm in trouble. I look. I remember. I complain. I'm upset. I think. I moan. I meditate. I complain. The concern here is for what the person is going through, this internal focus that has, has them in this place of deep need. The psalmist is in what a friend of mine calls a brain spin, which of course, at least for me, always seems to happen at night when you most want to sleep and your eyelids won't shut, or you keep waking up and you can't go back to sleep, or you obsess about problems, events, imagined outcomes that may never happen. So desperate is the one praying in the psalm that the rhetorical questions being asked here, if you really look at them, these questions go to where few of us who've grown up in the faith like to admit we go in these times. We, we sometimes turn away from admitting we feel like this. Listen to verses 7 through 9 in the message. Will the Lord walk off and leave us for good? Will the Lord never smile again? Is the Lord's love worn threadbare? Has his salvation promise burned out? Has God forgotten God's manners? Has God angrily stalked off and left us? These are real questions. And they're questions that go to the heart of what we believe about God, God's loyalty, God's faithfulness, God's compassion. 
but they're also, because of the trouble the person is going through at the time, a little turned in to oneself. So the questions become, if I can't see God at work, is God there? If God isn't good to me, is God good at all? There's a type of narcissistic self-focus we can get caught up in here that becomes immobilizing. The person can't imagine life beyond what is right now. So the questions express the most fearful anxiety that can come upon the soul, the apprehension that God has abandoned God's own once and for all. It's very honest and raw. In the very next breath, the psalm says in the words of the message again, just my luck, I said. The high God goes out of business just the moment I need God. That's the fear here. And it's very real. And it's also very faithful. Because there's a pause. And in that pause between where is God, something happens and we don't know what it is. But when we turn to verse 11, there is this beautiful turning point, this moment where self-preoccupation turns into God-centered remembering. And from this point on in the psalm, if you look at the sentences, there are no more eyes. There are only thou's. Walter Brueggemann says this, this psalm is structurally the story of God's people who are always trapped and or on the move. And the psalm knows that all of us live in this battle. He says we move between a petty religion of calculating obedience aimed at our own well-being and a fully liberated, imaginative religion of awe and amazement and trembling before the Holy One. Awe and amazement and trembling before the Holy One. But when we're in that place where we're asking those questions, when we're in that pause between the I and the thou, it feels like a dark night of the soul. And until we stand there ourselves, not watch someone else, but stand there ourselves, in that moment where we question God's presence and God's goodness, we don't know how we'll respond to that. We can't predict what we would do. For there are at least two possibilities. We, we can turn back to our private self-concern and get caught up in it. Or we can turn toward God. And in that moment, we, not, we might need to ask for help to do that. Because we either face the loss of faith, or we step into an opening for new faith, like a swimmer standing at the edge of the pool with one toe in the water before diving in. The psalmist dives in. And that pause in between could have been seconds, or could have been years. And the groans of self-pity and the woundedness of personal hurt, they become, they are transformed into an outpouring of praise for a God who overcame the waters. For a God whose way was through the sea, 
but whose footprints remain unseen. God's work is hidden. It can be invisible. It can be beyond our knowing. And that's why we end up in this place, in the pause between help me, God, and praise you, God. And that hiddenness where God's steps can't be seen, as it mentions at the end of this psalm, brings to mind, at least for me, that old poem called Footprints in the Sand. I'm not going to read it, but you know the one where the person's walking with the Lord and reviewing their life and noticing, you know, sometimes, Lord, there's two sets of footprints because you're walking with me, and sometimes there's one, and what is that about? And the conclusion, well, that's the time that God is carrying you. Very popular poem. And for a long time, it was anonymous. But now there are at least four people who claim to have written it. And according to the Poetry Foundation, which I really hope is a dependable website, one woman claiming authorship wrote a book in which she enthusiastically recounted all the tragedies she endured while never losing her belief in the Lord. In the course of a mere 100 pages, she gets struck by lightning, develops spinal meningitis, gets hit by a truck, and has a near-death experience with a bumblebee. Her daughter gets crushed by a motorcycle and later slips down a 68-foot waterfall while her husband watching has a heart attack. Conveniently in the hospital room, a nurse pulls out a little piece of paper she has in her pocket and recites footprints to ease the family's pain, at which point the husband uh, responds to the nurse's comment, what a shame it is that no one knows who wrote this poem. And the husband says, it's my wife. She wrote it. It's all very convenient and wrapped up in 100 pages. And the author travels around the world and gives sermons about the power of faith. And that poem has been comforting to millions. It's been important to many people, including me. It was transformational as a young person, the belief that God loves me, the trust that God carries me, even when God's steps remain unseen. But now a little further along in the pilgrimage of faith, I want to step back a little bit. I want to decenter myself from that walk along the beach. And I want to think about all those who've lost their belief, who've encountered a dark night of the soul, who've come to the brink of diving into a new way of faith but then hesitate and hold back. I think I want the focus to be less about God carrying me on the sand and more about how we get to carry each other as we turn our focus from self to God. I want it to be less about personal salvation and more about communal transformation. And most of all, I want you to know that it's okay to lament, to grieve, to groan, to complain, and that it's all part of the pilgrim journey. Frederick Buechner said, religion points to that area of human experience where in one way or another human beings come upon mystery as a summons to pilgrimage. So consider yourself summoned 
The path itself is holy. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the one who goes before us. Let us remember God's faithfulness. Remind each other of God's faithfulness, not just for us, for all of us together. Because that remembering will help us recover our gratitude and ground our hope and build our resolve and our resilience, build our confidence, even for the Eeyores among us. God bless them all. Amen. And when I come to 
but give me Jesus. thankful today for the gifts of Sean McGrath and Sam Wetzel who have been singing this evening for Peter Scheid as liturgist, for Grant Gannon who's doing the video, for Conrad for his playing and Jason for sound. We are so grateful for this team of people here that is helping to make worship a reality. The prayer that I'll be reading today is a mashup of sorts between a prayer written by Walter Brueggemann that's at the end of the chapter that we were uh, talking about today, and also prayers that were written by an organization called Jubilee USA Network, which is an organization that we as Fairmount support. This is a group that's a coalition of religious development and advocacy groups that works to alleviate debt in many of the world's poorest economies. So friends, let us come together in a time of prayer. Holy, faithful, and merciful God, you have called us into being, given us names, faces, and vocations, and we live them out in freedom. In our freedom, we notice only sometimes that we cannot cope with all that comes at us. We cannot finally outflank the forces that address us, and we cannot by ourselves deal with the grief, trouble, and anger that well up in us. After we have said I for a very long time, we turn back to you. God, we thank you for the abundance of life, relationships, health, and comfort you have provided. And thank you that even in times of need, despair, and brokenness, you are there. We pray to you, Lord, for our world and all those who suffer. We pray for children and families in extreme poverty. We pray for those who face structuralized injustice daily. We pray for those who are sick or unwell, in body, mind, or spirit. We pray for those who are grieving. We pray for those whose work brings healing to individuals and communities. 
We pray for our community, our county, all of Ohio, and our nation as we face another moment of changing levels of risk and what that means for each of us. We pray for leaders and those in positions of decision-making. Guide us, O God, and hear our calls to you. Give us power and resilience. Give us kindness, patience, and compassion in our hearts as we learn to adapt to this changing world. And may we remember, O God, all your wonders. And then in gladness, remember who we are as yours. To recover our gratitude, our hope, our resolve, and our confidence as we pray together with one voice saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now to the one who by the power at work within you is able to do infinitely more than you could ever ask or imagine. 
though the way may be hidden. Trust God, who will bless you and keep you on the pilgrim way. Amen.